0: Hey, everybody, it's Josh, and I'm back with another Gaming Quick Takes bonus episode. Ha! tricked you this is just an intro for our regular episodes but if you wanted to hear that sweet sweet intro on those bonus episodes head over to multiplayer squad.com where you can sign up to support the show you get two bonus episodes every week some killer discord perks and our eternal gratitude we couldn't do the show without the support of our listeners and you too can join those ranks over at multiplayer squad.com
1: Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are a podcast run by a group of friends that are all dads. We love to talk about games, and we release two podcasts every week. And additionally, if you want access to a third and a fourth podcast every week, you can come support us on Patreon. Check us out at multiplayer squad.com and you can start off support at $5 a month, and that'll get you access to those additional episodes, and it will also help fund our show. Also, make sure to rate us five stars and leave us a review if your podcast app allows. Today is a Deep Dive Monday, which means we are going to be spending our entire episode talking about a single game, which today is the critically acclaimed and winner of many Game of the Year awards, God of War from 2018. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, I'm going to cut off your head now, it's Josh. Josh.
0: Paul, that intro took forever because I am dying to talk about this game. I literally almost interrupted you. It took every ounce of self-control I had to Uh. not just jump in while you were doing the intro to the show. I don't know that I've ever been more hyped for an episode.
1: (laughs) I thought you might just start chanting, God of war. God of war. Oh, man. Now, I will note here that even though we just recently announced that we now have our third permanent co-host, Michael Butler, he is not joining us today because you and I had already been (laughs) put. He's already slacking. He's He's failing us already. No, no. Since Michael just joined us, he was not playing God of War like you and I were in prep for the show. So, Michael will join us with our, you know, regular episodes moving forward, but if you're curious as to why Michael popped up and all of a sudden he's not here today, that is the only reason why. All right. Now, before we jump into breaking down God of War, we do have a little bit of housekeeping. We do have two new Patreon supporters that we are so excited to give a shout out to. We've got Andrew Doyan and we also have David Kelly. Both of them are rare supporters, so we really wanted to say thank you so much. We really do appreciate that support. And we also passed the one-year anniversary of Ace of Shame supporting us on Patreon. So I know Ace gets a lot of shout-outs on the show, but since we've had a whole year of support, we wanted to thank him for that as well. So yes, thank you so much for your guys' support. It really does mean the world. Yeah,
0: it really does. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been thanking people fairly consistently for yeah. a while now. This is what we talk about. If you want the best gaming community out there, if you want people that are kind to each other, play games together, recommend stuff, if you want to just show up and lurk and watch conversation because that's your thing. We keep mentioning this, but honestly, the the listeners in the community that... We are building and continuing to build are honestly second to none. So, if you are, if you've been on the fence about joining the Discord server, or you know, you kind of go, Oh, yeah, I keep meaning to do that. What are you waiting for? It's honestly an amazing group of people. I cannot imagine, like, in my mind, this is what gamers should be. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I hate the toxicity that gamers get labeled as some of that is rightfully so. And we are doing our best to try to change that mentality. And there is no more perfect place to see that in action than our discord server. So the link is on our website, you can click it, it's in the episode description, you can click it, boom, you're there, come join us, have a great time, meet a lot of other really amazing gamers, I, you, you will not be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're spot on with all of that. We really have tried to create our Discord channel to be very similar to the tenor of the show. So it's very friendly. It's very open for people to joke and talk about the games they love. There's, you know, maybe a little bit of good natured debate every now and again, but it's very clean and friendly. It really is just handled extraordinarily well. So come check us out on Discord. And uh, Josh, I think you've got a couple of user left reviews for the show we're going to read. Yep. Hey, the community keeps growing, the reviews keep growing. Uh,
0: it, you know, all of this goes hand in hand to make this the number one best gaming podcast out there. So if you have not left us a review yet, please do. Uh, it really helps the show and i 'm just going to dive in because I know this is going to be a very long episode and <laughs> it's I'm, gonna be i 'm so hyped right now that I just I need to get going here so all right this first one comes in from Gideon suss five stars it 's titled Amazing Podcast with Amazing People. I have been listening since the Rust episode, so around early 2020, and this podcast is amazing. The banter and genuinely funny content is awesome. The hosts are so nice and wholesome. If you like gaming content, I cannot recommend a better or more unbiased podcast for your ears to feast on. Keep up the great work. Also, you guys say Star Wars and Star Trek, but why not Alien?
1: Oh, See, I actually like the Alien series so much more than Star Trek and Star Wars. It's only that there's, for whatever reason, people think they need to compare Star Trek and Star Wars, so we've jumped into that. I do prefer the best Star Trek movies over the best Star Wars movies, but if we're really getting into it, Alien, Aliens prometheus these are amongst my all-time favorite movies i'm all for it
0: dude you and i legitimately had this conversation (laughs) apart from the podcast We just friends talking the other day it was like two days ago (laughs) it really was and we actually discussed how amazing the aliens franchise is Mm -hmm. so it's so funny that this got brought up because we are huge fans of the alien franchise as well
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm team alien all the way (laughs) over Star Trek and Star Wars. Oh, No offense to all of our Star Wars listeners, of which we have many who love coming out of the woodwork and talking to me about how much better Star Wars is than Star Trek, but at least we can both agree... We love the Alien franchise. Yes, they're phenomenal. So, <laughs> all
0: right. And then this next one is titled Pancakes Forever.
1: Oh, great. Get out of here. <laughs> Five I don't even stars. want to hear it.
0: <laughs> this is the best thing since the last best thing. I have been listening to this podcast for almost a year and I love it. I have literally laughed out loud at the silliness and I really enjoy hearing about my favorite games and even some games I've never even heard of. The Discord server is great and filled with loads of awesome people. I've made so So many friends. I hope this podcast never ends. Huge fan.
1: Keep it up. Oh, what a lovely review. Who did that that, come in from? That
0: that came in from I told you I would do it via uh, (laughs) Apple Podcasts. there. So. uh, Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's I mean, that's what I was saying earlier. Amazing community. And we hope that this podcast never ends as well.
1: (laughs) Yes. Now, I I still don't. I, I I really don't remember how the pancakes versus waffles debate started. You and I both love waffles. We both love pancakes. We fall on different ends of which one's better. It's become a very long-running, good-natured debate. And uh, yeah, so that's why if you're wondering why pancakes and waffles keep getting brought up, it's just one of those things that our Discord is pretty close to evenly split on. Rightfully so. They're both delicious. (laughs) All right. Well, we've got so much to cover, Josh. Let's get into it. Let's deep dive God of War.
0: Oh, baby.
1: All right. Steam describes God of War with the following. His vengeance against the gods of Olympus years behind him, Kratos now lives as a man in the realm of Norse gods and monsters. It is in this harsh, unforgiving world that he must fight to survive and teach his son to do the same. All right, now there have been a lot of God of War games. This is technically the fourth of the major installments, although there are a total of eight entries. And notably, there is a large gap between God of War 3 and this God of War from 2018. There's actually an eight-year gap. And so we did have to wait quite a while for this entry here. And I've got just a couple of quick facts for you. Now, God of War did recently come out on PC. Originally, it was a PS4 exclusive. And here's a couple of stats. First of all, God of War 2018 is the all-time highest selling game on the PS4. It sold 20 million units on console. It was the number one selling game six weeks in a row, which is an all-time record for PlayStation. And on Metacritic, it is one of the highest-rated PS4 games with a rating of 93. It won Game of the Year from several publications, including the Game Awards, Game Informer, IGN, Time Magazine. Josh, I'm just going to hit you with the $64,000 question right off the bat. Is God of War a perfect game?
0: Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> Without so a too. doubt, a hundred percent. I cannot think of a more perfect video <laughs> game that's ever been made.
1: <laughs> there, I mean, you can get a little nitpicky on a couple things, but I mean, come on. God of War, it hits you with one of the more compelling stories. It's got iconic weapons, the pacing is quick. I think honestly, you could maybe nitpick the games a little short. I mean, honestly, like there's really nothing to really hold on to here with this game. The voice acting's top notch. The villains are great, famously. there's no loading scenes. I mean, this is one of the most immersive games I think we've had to date
0: it is It is an absolutely incredible experience, honestly, from start to finish like you know it, it, think about the the biggest Oscar winner movie ever right like you know I mean this is up there with that. The story that's told is phenomenal. The gameplay is phenomenal. The world is phenomenal i honestly like. You know, maybe if if I had a while to to try to nitpick the smallest of things, I could. Yeah. But it, it's this it's this game is generational, in my opinion. You know, and I get that there's a lot of people out there that have just gone, "Well, God of War is not my thing," you know, or maybe they saw some of the earlier God of Wars and they went, "Okay, that looks like a button masher, like combat based game, way too fast paced for me, or just not my style." God of War, whether you like. You know, Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing, or you like Dark Souls and, you know, all these super hard games, it's legitimately, I feel like there is not a person out there that would play this game and go, I don't like it, you know, Or, or I can't see why people think it's incredible.
1: The only thing I can think of is for people that just don't like violence in video games, That's on Because this is a very violent game. It's definitely very mature. Honestly, that's the only thing I can think of, where maybe there's like a a certain chunk of the public that would not enjoy playing it. Now, you mentioned the earlier God of War series games, and I thought that it would help to take a little bit of a step back. For anyone who's not familiar with God of War lore, uh, just a couple of very quick bullet points that kind of catch us up to the story where things kick off in the newest entry. Kratos is a captain of the Spartan army and he is leading a battle against the barbarians. He is injured and he's on the verge of death and he cries out to Ares who of course is the Greek God of war and Ares offers to save Kratos if Kratos pledges to be Ares servant for the rest of his life. And so Kratos agrees and Ares does save his life and basically Gives him the Blades of Chaos, which are one of the most famous weapons of all time. It is tied to Kratos using chains, which symbolizes him being a servant of Ares. And one of the saddest things in gaming history that I can think of, Kratos is sent to go destroy a village that worships Athena. And of course, we know with the Greek gods, there's a lot of animosity. Ares and Athena do not like each other. And Kratos goes to raise the city. He lights it on fire. Unbeknownst to him, he kills his wife and his child who were there in the city. And in one of the, the darkest things I can think of about games, so not only is it very sad, but then it also gets even darker, there's an oracle in the town that survives the raising and uses magic to attach Kratos's wife and child's ashes to his skin, which is what gives him that pale appearance and why they name him the Ghost of Sparta. So basically, long story short, from that point on, Kratos is overwrought with guilt. He just wants forgiveness. He wants to be able to have his nightmares uh, rid of, of his nightly routine. And so he keeps working for various Greek gods who make him every promise in the world. All of them betray him, and then Kratos, in return, kills them. (laughs) And by the end of God of War III, he's basically single-handedly defeated all of the Greek gods and has not yet really found his salvation or, or his ability to rid himself of these nightmares. And that's kind of where we pick things up, where there has now been a gap of time so, Josh, when you think about the original God of War games, is there anything in particular that kind of stands out while experiencing those games?
0: Yeah, they're phenomenal games, number one. And here's the thing. I, if, if you're, if you're the kind of person where you said, Hey, I, I've always been interested in God of War, but I never played the originals. So I, I, you know, that's why I've never picked up the 2018 version. You don't need to play the originals to understand. It, it definitely departs from the formula. It helps to kind of know a little bit about Kratos's past, which you've just very, very, you know, perfectly explained. He is a deeply troubled man. Yes. <laughs> He's had a very disturbing and sad past. He has tried to make up for that. He has been betrayed by the gods over and over and over again to where he ultimately just says, I... I hate the gods. I want to wipe them out. I want to get back at them for what they've done to me and my family. And so he goes on this revenge filled quest to just obliterate the gods that have betrayed him. He's not an evil person. Like that's the kind of the thing that you get out of the original trilogy is. Kratos is not an evil guy. He's not just going around to slaughter people willy-nilly. He's, he's legitimately on a mission against a very specific group of people. They just happen to be the gods of Olympus.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you find out that he's Zeus's son. And that's like a big thing is that he kills Zeus at the end of God of War three. And so you definitely have this like really tragic background. The psychological trauma to Kratos is like second to none. You almost kind of wonder how he's even able to stand and live at all after how much he's gone through. And he really is very just deeply damaged. But at the same time, he does have this incredible skill to fight. I mean, he is a killing machine like no other. Yeah, And he was made the God of war at the end of God of war one, you know, hence the name, you know, he does kill Ares and is given the title. And, you know, we see over and over where he uses his skills But ultimately, he's still plagued by his own guilt. So now we pick up things in what I'm just going to call God of War 4. It's too confusing to have four games and two of them are titled (laughs) God of War. So in God of War 4, a lot of time has passed. You know, Kratos looks different. He's older. He's definitely bigger. And he's living in the land of the Norse gods. And I think the opening hour of God of War might be... The most compelling first hour of any video game ever made. Like Kratos is clearly a different person. He's living in a different land. He's got a, a new son. We find out that he had had a wife, but now we are preparing for her funeral. They kind of, kind of just drop you into the middle of Kratos's second act of his life and they don't tell you anything and you just slowly start to fill in the gaps based on all of these different context clues and i think that it is incredibly effective in setting the atmosphere for this game and what's to come
0: it does such a good job of getting you hooked instantly you know what i mean like it's like you said if you were fans of the original trilogy this new kratos this older you know calmer bearded kratos is a different person he, totally you different. Can, he, you can tell he just wants to be left alone. He wants he wants peace, or you know, just like he wants to live his life. He's got a son now. You get the feeling that his relationship with his son is off. Um, they make that very clear in the beginning. Like he's a very tough kind of dad that's just trying to teach his son, but maybe he doesn't show a lot of love. And so it's like you can tell instantly that something's there. His wife is dead. I mean, you're starting off with a funeral pyre for his wife and you you feel sad like honestly like instantly you just relate to to kratos and his son and and the heartache that they've got going on in this life that they're living i can't think of another game that has pulled you in into that personal like deep relationship so quickly it's 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 amazing, man. It really, like, I don't know any other way to describe it. I'm with you 100%. And then not only do they get into this personal aspect to where you relate to the characters, it also starts off with one of the
1: coolest boss fights in a video <laughs> game that I can think of. The, the game starts incredibly quickly. Now, when you start a game by preparing for a funeral, I know that that sounds like the worst thing to do in the beginning of a game. But this game is just so chock full of nuance and like even glances that characters make at one another you can definitely tell that kratos loves his son and recognizes that that his son atreus needs a lot of uh a lot of help in becoming an adult and to be able to defend himself but at the same time kratos definitely despises the gods and like one character points out to kratos you are a god and so is your son and clearly that is creating a lot of the conflict for why you're having trouble connecting to him on that emotional level. You know, there are times when Atreus turns away and Kratos reaches out, like he's going to touch Atreus and then pulls his hand back. Dude, do you not cheer? Like in my head, I'm
0: screaming, like, put your (laughs) hand on his back, dude, just touch him. It's okay. He's your son.
1: He's lost his mom. Like, just hug this kid. (laughs) Like, but then at the same time, you get nuggets of it. So, like Atreus did not take his mother's knife and they light the funeral pyre. The knife is in there. Atreus yells, Oh, wait. And he runs and he grabs the knife and he burns his palm of his hand. And Kratos really tenderly puts snow on it to lessen the pain of the burn, but still can't have that kind of physical affection that Atreus clearly needs. And it's just like, it's very heart wrenching. I think it's very easy at least for me, to connect to both Atreus and Kratos. Like, there are times as a father when I have struggled to understand maybe the way my kids act or the way that they behave. And I also, as a child, sometimes had trouble connecting to my father. And so I really can appreciate it. I feel like it's so well written from both sides. I think they're both really fascinating characters.
0: I think one of the most undersold points of this game is how emotional it can actually make you like people people view it it's god of war it's a guy with a giant axe just cutting things in half right like it's just this ultra violent game you know and yes there's some elements to it but i think what does not come across and and makes it so phenomenal is the emotional attachment and the emotional like pulls that this game is masterful at
1: yeah and that really first pops up in this entry because the original games have a very interesting story, but I would not say it's terribly emotional. It's maybe at times like disturbing, but when Kratos is fighting Zeus, you're not like, Oh, I can't believe he's going to kill his father. It's like, yeah, Zeus has got to go. This dude's insane. And Kratos has every reason in the world to take Zeus out. And so I don't, I, I can't think of any gaming series where you had, Multiple titles that were kind of beloved by everyone, and then all of a sudden, you're coming in with installment number eight and turning it around to be this like really emotional drama between the characters. Where the original games are really just straight up action. I mean, they really are just like hack and slash games. They do maintain a little bit of that hack and slash element here in the newest, but it's really more than anything, I would say, story driven. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it does have excellent combat yeah, which which we'll we'll get to very soon. The story is the backbone of this game and that's
0: what people I think that haven't played it don't understand. Now, the gameplay is phenomenal. We'll get into that, but there it's the underlying story between Kratos and his son and their quest to go spread the mom's ashes. That's kind of the overarching mm-hmm. quest line. Obviously, a lot of stuff goes, you know, into play with that, but knowing why you're playing Gives it such a a good tone from the beginning, and then it just goes from there. But to me, it's one of the things that absolutely sets it apart as a masterpiece.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. By the way, I was so excited to jump into God of War. I forgot to mention that we are going to share spoilers that are just in the very beginning as we start talking about god of war everything that we've talked about you find out within the first couple minutes later in the episode we will give you a spoiler warning before we start talking about the end game stuff because there are some twists and some big reveals that are coming down the road um, but i did want to share one last example of the context clues that are informing the story atreus is in the beginning of this game he's he's very weak right like he struggles to kill a deer at one point he gets a little bit worked up and he starts coughing and he even makes a comment cuz cuz Kratos says you're not ready for this to go spread your mom's ashes on the highest peak in all the realms and Atreus says I haven't been sick in a long time and that's all they say about it. They don't go into the detail. You see this play out over the course of the game. You get these little morsels that are then blown into these full storylines later. But in the beginning, they just drop that one line and it just sucks you right in. Like, oh, what does Atreus have? What is it? Is it just asthma? Does he struggle fighting? Is it something worse? Is he dying? Like, what? what's going on? And they they just keep pulling you in piece by piece until this whole story is like this kaleidoscope that all just kind of like clicks into zoom and, and into focus. And it's really a, a absolutely beautiful story. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about the combat. All right. So Josh, we mentioned the original trilogy. You've got the blades of chaos, one of the most iconic weapons of all time. Well, guess what? Bold move. God of war four. Kratos has got bandages wrapped all around his wrists. There are no blades of chaos. He's got a new weapon. He's got the Leviathan Axe. Josh, I think the Leviathan Axe is just as iconic as the Blades of Chaos. I think it's a fantastic weapon. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the Leviathan Axe works along with the combat?
0: It's so cool, man. I want one of
1: these so <laughs> bad,
0: dude. I like. I, I get it. I'm a huge fan of the Blades of Chaos. I mentioned it in a previous episode as one of my favorite weapons uh, in yep. any video game. Like, It's just iconic. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like Kratos has this axe and it's not because he's a bearded lumberjack now in this, in this new entry. It's like, you know, he's got this weapon and it's awesome, man. It's the, the, the main thing about the Leviathan axe that makes it very cool is you can throw it and then you can recall it like it's Thor's hammer. And Anybody that knows anything or has seen any of the Marvel movies, you know, and knows anything about Thor is that he can just stick his hand out in the air and Mjolnir comes flying back, hits him right in the palm and boom, there it is. And the Leviathan Axe is exactly the same. Yeah. And it is dude the game does such a good job with it though. It's so like the effect of it is incredible. The further away you run, like if you throw the axe and you run, like you could run to the other side of the map and Kratos will stick his hand out and the, the there's a slightly longer yep. delay if it's further away <laughs> from you yeah. than if you were right there with it is insane when he retrieves it and it hits him in the palm. It's so satisfying. And it makes it just such a cool weapon. I mean, obviously, you can melee with this thing. There's all kinds of different combinations you can do with it. But throwing it out and then recalling it is so much fun. The game definitely uses that mechanic a lot that comes into play in some of the puzzles. But just like any good weapon in any good game, it's upgradable. It kind of transforms throughout the game. It just, it, I, I'm with you, man. I I think it's an absolutely incredible thing that they did, and if you play the game, you like I said, the the it tying into like, well, this is a copy of Thor's hammer. They actually, the game explains that, and I don't know how much we want to get into spoilers early on, but you actually find out why the Leviathan axe behaves kind of like Thor's hammer.
1: <laughs> I I I I think it's. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's clearly some very talented blacksmiths and maybe the same person or the same people crafted both. And that right. is addressed inside the game. Yeah. So, yeah, I it, it, it the Leviathan Axe is very fun to use. I don't know about you, Josh. I use the Leviathan Axe quite often as a ranged weapon. I don't know if you ever do this, but I would Throw, recall, throw, oh, yeah. recall, throw, recall. And there are some boss fights where I would just do that 300 times until the boss would die. <laughs> um, but one of the neat things also is that you can fight with the Leviathan Axe or you can fight unarmed with your shield. And the whole idea is that there are some enemies that are resistant to magic, so the axe doesn't work on them. And after you hit enemies a few times, every once in a while you get a little button that pops up for a finisher move. And these are incredibly brutal finishers, but it fits the theme of the game. And it is so satisfying to hit an enemy like four times with this axe. The button pops up, you press it, you grab this like magical being and you like rip open its chest. It kind of explodes everywhere. Kratos is roaring. It is just like brutal and great. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's
0: satisfying as anything, man. It really is. And yes, it's violent, but this also gives you a glimpse into Kratos, right? Like that's that's kind of the thing is it's like, well, any, any schlub can throw a magical axe, right? Like, yep. okay, there's nothing so great about that. But when you get into the combat, like you said, and you're chaining together these moves, you've got light attacks, you've got heavy attacks, you've got all that stuff. We, I, I, you know, maybe we'll get into that in a minute. But when you're just obliterating this creature, and then it's like, okay, well now you get this finishing move, and you literally grab him with your bare hands and rip him <laughs> apart, right? Like that, that kind of shows you, like Kratos is bad, dude. This is not like he's the. war like he's a god, and you're just some little trash mob you know that's in this world another time maybe he grabs him and he spins him around slams him on the ground and then steps on and crushes his head until it explodes you know like that's another finisher like there's multiple different finishers in this game they're incredibly satisfying now they're against what's neat is they're against like fantastical creatures but what's even better than that is sometimes you fight mini bosses You know, you might fight uh, an ogre or this gigantic troll thing, and then you get to do some amazing, unique finisher against that. And then you just like, you just sit there and you're like, whoa.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Super minor nitpick. The, the finisher moves do recycle when you do that. So the first couple of times you see it, it's incredible. By the fourth or fifth, it's kind of like, okay, I've already seen it. But there are some moves where he'll take like the enemy's weapon, knock it in the air grab it slam it down on the enemy and kill them that way it's it's so awesome i mean it's a very visceral experience in this game you definitely feel like the god of war i mean there's no question uh atreus your son is an archer so there is a button you can press atreus will fire his bow there's also a rage meter so over time as you fight your rage goes up it is called spartan rage and this is when old Kratos appears. Yes. All right. This is the oh. only time you see old Kratos. You pop Spartan rage. Kratos goes, and yeah. just starts punching the ever living crap out of everybody. He's invulnerable during Spartan rage. It, it never fails to just tickle me to no end to see Kratos hop into Spartan Rage. It's fantastic. This game,
0: you said it, dude. It's visceral. I think that's honestly one of the best descriptions you can give. The combat in this game is top-notch in my opinion. I played this game on not the absolute hardest difficulty where you can just get one shot by everything, but one difficulty level under that. I like a good combat challenge. Yep. And the combat in, in God of War is, in my opinion, honestly second to none. You feel like you are the god of war. And I don't know how to like translate that through uh, you know a microphone into our listeners, but between how you can string together moves, you get these sort of magical attacks that we'll talk about. You've get you get these finishing moves. You you feel like you are Kratos. Like honestly, I can't think of a game that does as good of a job making you feel like you are that character and you are as strong as that character as the combat does in this game. And it ramps up, you know? Like, there are some epic, epic battles that occur in this game. But even the trash that you come across, the trash monsters, you know, as you're just wandering around and exploring, is, is great, you know? And there's blocking, there's parrying, there's these weapon combos that you can do. You can pull off these insane moves. You'll unlock moves that are even cooler than what you start the game <laughs> off with. Like, I can't think... Of a game out there that that just pulls out so much like uh, I don't want to say emotion again, but like that visceral feel of like this is me, I am a bad dude in this game, and I feel <laughs> it. You know, um, all the effects, the sounds, all of that plays together in just—it's absolutely amazing combat.
1: It's one of the very rare games that takes a plus storytelling. A plus combat and puts it all together which is why we both say it's it's a perfect game yeah you know normally we don't rave about games like this in the beginning but we can't help ourselves we're like little kids in the candy store we both loved it back in 2018 we both loved going through it on pc it's it's so great and honestly we're still in the first 10 minutes of playing god of war <laughs> but you know you did mention a little bit about the opening boss fight so you are preparing to leave to do your overall quest of spreading phase ashes that that was the name of your wife and you get visited by a person who is initially called the stranger i believe yeah and he's here to fight you like you don't know who he is you don't know why he's here He seems to have a little bit of an understanding of who you are, and you just start in the middle of this epic fight, and there's one moment when he notices that there's another bed in your house, and he says, oh, there's another bed. Who else is here with you? Implying Atreus. Right. And so then Kratos kind of goes ham on this initial boss, the stranger, who does pop up again and again over the course of the game. This is not the only time we're going to see him. He's a really interesting character. But how would you describe what boss fights are like in this game? Like the stranger and the other bosses you end up fighting?
0: Yeah, I think that they do a phenomenal job of making you feel like you are fighting other you know, like I, you know, minor spoiler territory, you're, you're going to fight gods. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's what God of war does, right? Like in, sure. in the earlier ones, you, f- you go through the Mount Olympus in this game, you're going to fight other gods and it makes you feel like this is a clash of Titans. You know um, when you do fight them, this is not a walk in the park. You can tell that these are gods. They have their own abilities. They have their own, you know, godly specializations, I guess, you know, (laughs) like you don't fight Thor in this game. Like, you know, that's what Ragnarok, they've, they've already hinted that in the preview, but it would be like, you know, Hey, if I'm going to fight Thor, I expect that he's going to use lightning against me. Right. Like that that's what, you know, he's the God of thunder. Right. So it's like in this game, the, the, the people that you fight seem to have personalities. They seem to have their own unique traits. There are some epic Epic boss battles in this game, and the game does a phenomenal job of of starting off with one of the most iconic fights that I can think of so early on. Yeah. And again, it's like you just want to be left alone. This dude shows up on your doorstep and he is not backing down and is very obvious that he is there looking for a fight. And, yep. and as Kratos, you don't know who this guy is. And this is like the kinder Kratos that just wants to be left alone. So you're literally telling this guy, hey, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know who you are <laughs> messing with. And this guy mm-hmm. just does not back down at all. And you're like, okay, then, <laughs> and then it goes into combat. And you're just like, yes, like I'm, I'm about to kick this dude's butt.
1: And the boss fights are very long. So they definitely stand out. Like when you think back on God of War, you tend to think about these longer, very cinematic boss fights. They are intercut with cutscenes, and sometimes these fights get very vertical, or it, you, it's not just in one little area. One character might throw another all the way across the field, and now you're fighting in a new area. It's it's very. Uh, they 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 do such a great job because you can play a game where you play as like Superman, and you're essentially a god. And it feels boring because you are invulnerable or they make the character so overpowered that there's no challenge. But in God of War, since you are a god fighting other gods, you die. You die a lot in this game. It is challenging at times. You have to learn the fights and you have to learn the moves, but they do such a great job of making it feel like god versus god combat. I mean, it's it's absolutely top notch. Now, the game does have some RPG-ish elements. To be honest, they are pretty light. You do earn XP over the course of the game. You use your XP to upgrade different skills or different abilities. And as you upgrade your axe and as you upgrade Atreus's bow, it unlocks new skills that are available. Now, a lot of these skills are as simple as just lowering cooldowns, or increasing damage. Sometimes they do give you a new button combination that can perform some kind of special move. So you might unlock something that'll do like AOE damage, or you're able to throw your ax and hit three enemies instead of one. And then later you can upgrade it to five instead of three. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's RPG light, I think is fair to say, did you have any particular strategy with where to put your points early on. I was kind of curious to know how you played.
0: I'm actually going to disagree with you, Paul. I think this game is RPG. Great.
1: Really? Yes. I totally disagree with that. I
0: really do. Because I'll tell you why is that I, this was my second playthrough, right? I played it on the PS4 and then it came out for PC and I took my time this time, you know, and Mm -hmm. I told everybody, Hey, I I disappeared off the discord server for like two weeks. Everybody's (laughs) like, where's Josh? And I'm like, I'm playing God of war. Um, And so I disagree because this game has various pieces of gear that you can get. So you have equipment, you've got your weapons. I spent a very large portion of this game actually grinding uh, gear and fights and abilities. And so to me, you, so to, to kind of give you an idea, you can get various armor pieces and you can do an awful lot to unlock really high end armor that gives you a lot of really important stats. If you want to try to do some of the harder fights in the game. So you actually have to grind a little bit to be able to do those. You have what are called light runic attacks and heavy runic attacks, which are these really fantastical, over the top, magical type abilities that you can get for, you know, the, the weapons that you get in this game. Um, and they can you can build out a, a whole build based off of runic attacks, which is actually the route that I went because I wanted to use these like really strong magical attacks. Um, you get different uh, like stat points that you can spend. I, I I think that there is a heavy RPG element to this game. Now you don't have to focus on it by any means, but there is a lot of customization in how you build your character. In this game. So I think it's a little bit more than just RPG light, in my opinion. If you def- want to make it that way, like, I, I, again, that's not required, right? Like, you can play this game on story mode where the combat is very, very easy. And honestly, you don't have to do all that. But if you want to experience a little bit more of what this game has to offer as, as a whole, I think you really start to delve into that RPG element a lot more.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, At certain points, they just kind of unlock a whole bunch of new recipes, and if you want, you can go find those mats. Sometimes you get recipes that include mats that you literally cannot get to until end game. So there is some stuff in there like that. I would still say it's it's RPG light because you don't have massive skill trees. I mean, this is like, you open up a skill tree, you can upgrade either your Leviathan Axe or Unarmed, or you can upgrade Atreus. I focused, I was kind of like in role play mode when I was doing this. I was like, this kid needs all the help he can get. <laughs> I put every point I could into Atreus, and if anything was left over, I used those for me. So that was kind of like my whole thought process. I never really got particularly into the unarmed combat. I would really only bust it out when I had to, when you were fighting enemies who were resistant to frost, where literally your axe bounces off their face. Like, you got to use something else. Um, so I was kind of curious. Did you put more points into the axe? Unarmed? Atreus? What would you do?
0: Are we, can we get into spoilers here? Because there's one, we, I have to be able to talk about this other piece of equipment. So can, can we
1: give a spoiler warning
0: here? Or is that uh, later
1: on? Sure. We, 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 we can. All right, let's just start diving into spoilers now. I think most people can probably guess, even if they don't okay. know what's going to happen. Spoiler warning,
0: here. if you haven't played and you're a fan of the series, you might want to just pause right now or skip ahead just a minute or two. But that's your warning. The other thing you get in this game, besides the Leviathan Axe, is there is a point in this game where you do get or you go and retrieve the Blades of Chaos this moment in this game gave me absolute chills. Dude, I was geeking out so hard when this happened and you get the blades of chaos and you're like, Oh my goodness, there they are. And they're phenomenal, right? And, and the, the great thing is they don't replace the Leviathan axe, which I thought was such a cool thing for this game to do. They, they ex- accent the Leviathan axe and they, they kind of complement it. So there's multiple times where you need to use one or the other. But it's like what I was saying again with the RPG elements is when you get the blades of chaos, they come with their own skill trees. They come with their own abilities that you, you need to unlock. You know, they come with their own runic attacks, which are like these really fantastical, over the top magical attacks that Kratos can do using the weapons. And I just I thought like it just this opened up the game even more to me because now you have a second weapon on top of your unarmed combat, on top of the Leviathan axe, on top of Atreus's archery skill tree and stuff like that that you can use. And I felt like it just it went from, you know, 99 miles an hour to 200 miles an hour because this is partway through the game and it changes the flow of the game completely and then just makes combat even better.
1: Well, yeah, and they complement each other so well, like you mentioned, because the Leviathan Axe is much more of a single target, whereas the Blades of Chaos, you're swinging them around you 360 degrees sometimes, so it makes for really good AoE combat, and there's a lot of times when you're mowing down large groups of enemies with the Blades of Chaos, and then maybe you switch to the Leviathan Axe for this boss fight or whatever it might be. There's even some bosses that go through different stages of invulnerabilities. It forces you to continually swap back and forth, which I think is really fascinating. I also loved pumping a lot of points into Atreus because there are times when enemies are blocking you, but Atreus has the enemy flanked. And I can just hit the button which on pc was f and atreus starts unleashing arrows into enemies now you can also put points into shock arrows or stun arrows and when you max everything out you can basically sit back and mash the f button and atreus is just raining down arrows left and right i i felt like that was like the uh story appropriate method to go i also always appreciated putting points into spartan rage like one of my favorite abilities is where you pop Spartan Rage, Kratos just shoves his hand down into the yes, ground, yes. pulls up a boulder and just chucks it and hits someone at a hundred miles an hour. And it's so satisfying to hear Kratos roaring while he's chucking these boulders. So there's, there's definitely a lot of things that you can, you know, Tinker with the combat to make it fit your style. You know, absolutely. It has RPG ish elements. I would not call this game an RPG. This is an action adventure game. That has some RPG elements. I would not primarily call it an RPG, but there's definitely a lot of customization.
0: Yeah, I don't. So just to clarify, I'm not saying that God of War is an RPG, but what I'm saying is that the RPG elements go beyond what I would say is RPG light. I feel like there is a ton of customization available that falls into that like RPG category.
1: Gotcha. All right, now I we both know this episode's going oh crazy goodness. long. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, start, I'm not gonna start scrapping stuff yet. I want to no. talk about these guys. All right, you've already mentioned a little bit of armor and crafting. We gotta talk about the two brothers, Brock and Sindri. All they're right, great. They, <laughs> they are, they're they're brothers. They could not be more different from a personality standpoint. In some ways, they are just as different as Atreus is different from Kratos. Brock is literally blue and has a beard. He's very brash. he's very vulgar. Sindri is like this super scrawny white dude that I, I I will say that even though I found Sindri to be very funny, he almost feels like he's from a different universe because this entire world of God of War is filled with nothing but violence and fighting, and blood, and guts everywhere, and yet Sindri can't even think about any kind of blood or violence without dry heaving, and so he is definitely like the comic relief in this game, where he will send you out to get something, but he doesn't want to touch it when you bring it back, and he starts dry heaving, and it's hilarious every single time.
0: It really is. It's more of a lighthearted nature in a very serious game a lot of times. Brock does that as well. Brock's a little bit more of the shock factor to me. Cause,
1: cause... <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite lines is when he says, he says, Ragnarok is coming. I feel it in my scrote. Yeah, <laughs> And then he says it again. Like 10 seconds later and Atreus goes, yeah, you mentioned that.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Brock just, Brock kills me because he, he's vulgar, man. He He definitely cusses. There is some language in this game. I think he's the only
1: one that uses profanity. Yes,
0: he is actually. Uh, But it just comes out of nowhere, man. And he's so unapologetic for it too, that it just cracks me up. So it's very funny because Brock and Sindri are the blacksmiths in this game. Um, You know, you, you learn a little bit about the history of the Leviathan acts. They're the ones that made it. They're the ones that made Mjolnir. So there's the similarity between the two. Um, but they add such a cool dynamic in the characters in this game, because there's this whole part of the story where they're apart. Right, like they're very mad at each other, and you're trying to kind of figure out what's going on. Atreus takes a liking to both of them. Kratos could care less; he finds some kind of annoying, you know. But they <laughs> can upgrade your gear, annoying. right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> they 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 can upgrade your gear. So he's like, okay, I get it. Like they're necessary, but I hate dealing with them. Atreus really kind of takes a liking to them, but it's just really, I, I'm with you in that I think it adds a lot of humor to the game. That's very needed. It's not out of place by any means like it's not like a hey we we have to make a joke so we, we you know let's throw one in there it's very natural because of the conversation
1: and these two characters that are introduced i really i like both of them a lot i do too and they definitely have their own storyline but it feeds directly into the main storyline so it's not like a side story that's really interesting it really is integral but at the same time it's their own story I I thought that was really handled very well. There is always a little bit of an element where I kind of think, like, how are these guys making enough money? Like, who are they selling to? Because God of War is kind of like, you probably only have eight or nine characters in this game that have a name and talk. Other than that, you've got a whole lot of mindless zombie-like magical creatures that you're destroying. So, You know, I guess they're just making their money where they will. You do also find out that the Leviathan axe was actually crafted for Faye, your wife, that you're using. So initially, it was actually her weapon that they had made for her. Right. Which I thought was also a really interesting little twist in the story. All right. Now, one last thing that we need to talk about before jumping into more of the storyline elements are the puzzles. Okay. Now, the cynical side of me could be a little nitpicky and say... Who is leaving behind these intricate traps and tests to open these chests? But I think they're one of the best things that God of War has to offer. You you run across these magical chests that you cannot just open. They have three magical seals. You have to look around. You find these runes. You hit them with a weapon, and it unlocks the seals. Or you might have to ring three bells within a certain amount of time. And then the chest opens. But they are, I think difficulty wise tuned perfectly they're never frustrating they take just a couple of minutes and it gives you a little bit of a break from the combat and then they give you huge upgrades where you might increase your hp bar or your rage meter and i think that the puzzles are actually very needed in this game
0: i feel like this game would not be the masterpiece that it is if it was not for the inclusion of these puzzles to be honest you know, I, I'm with you in that they do nothing but highlight this game even more. I have no idea. Maybe there were Norse pirates back in the day and they're all trying to hide their <laughs> pirate booty somewhere, and it's like, oh well we'll you know, we'll put these runes on this chest to protect it from people.
1: And I'm gonna I, leave I, the, I, the, the, the the things that unlock uh, it right next to the right chest. Nearby? I don't know.
0: <laughs> but it really does serve a it, it's 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 a pleasant distraction that is super needed in this game. Um I'm with you. I think the difficulty level is perfect. I found many many times where I was looking for these bells or these runes that you needed to find to to break to open up the the seal on the chest. And I think what it does is it it makes you It makes you stop for a second. It's like that breath of air, right? Where it's like, hey, let me pause from all this insane over-the-top combat. Let me take a breather. Let me look around this zone that I'm in or this area. Because one thing we have not touched on is that God of War is one of the best-looking games that I have honestly ever seen in my life. Like, it looked great on PlayStation 4. On PC, it is unrivaled to me in how good the graphics in this game are. I mean, that's high praise from me, but man, is it incredible. And I think what the the puzzles do is it makes you pause for a second, and some it makes you just look around and appreciate what's around you. And I love that they incorporated that in the game. Some of them are very, very simple. Some of them, I found a couple puzzles to be rather challenging, But it's like you said, as a whole, when you take it all together, they
1: absolutely nailed the difficulty level of these puzzles in the game. Yeah, and some of them are very clever. So one thing that you use a lot in the game is your Leviathan axe. You're constantly using either to throw at... A, don't even know what to call it, like a thing that can spin in a circle and it might pull or release a chain. So there are things like lifts that are essentially elevators, but you have to chuck your axe and you hit the thing and it spins in a circle. Or you might use your Leviathan axe to activate something and you can throw it and freeze something midway. So there are times when you have to like raise an elevator halfway and then freeze it, and then you run to the other side, and then you can see that rune and you can destroy it. So there are things like that that keep the game very fresh. And honestly, the rewards from those chests are so powerful. You kind of feel like you have to do all of them, but they're all very fun. They don't feel frustrating They only take a minute or two usually to figure them out, maybe three at the very most, but it's always really neat when you figure out how they hid that rune. And as soon as you discover it, I constantly found myself saying, Oh, that's so clever. That's so cool. And then you just move on and you start fighting the next, the the, the next mob.
0: Yeah. The puzzles play a good. Part in progression as well because you're going through all of these zones, you're going through all these environments in the game, and and you know you have to solve puzzles to progress. That plays a very integral role in the game itself, but they're fun. They're never they're never frustrating, but you feel like you're accomplishing something, and so yes. the it, it's such a good change of pace between the combat, hey, you cleared out some monsters, now you have to look around, now you have to solve this puzzle, okay, now you can progress and move forward. It's just part of a perfect formula, in my opinion. And without it, I don't think this game would be close to what it is. But with it, it's just another piece of this perfect puzzle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, now let's get into some major spoilers as far as the storyline goes. So if you want to keep this stuff secret, then, you know, maybe skip ahead to the final 10 minutes of the episode where we do our other segments. Now, up to this point, we have not talked at all about Freya. All right, now Freya plays a very major role in this game. We find out that she was, of course, married to Odin. She is stuck in Midgard and is not able to leave. We find out that she is estranged from her son. And more or less, she is kind of your guide throughout the game. She helps you figure out how to get through certain areas or how to get to another realm. And I remember on my very first playthrough, the first time you meet Freya, Atreus is just so excited because she's friendly. She is affectionate. And I found myself thinking like, Maybe we should just leave Atreus with Freya because honestly, this kid really just needs a mother. Yes. And Kratos more or less has the emotional intelligence of a toaster. Um, I kind of <laughs> felt like let's just leave Atreus and let him play with these magical boars. They can pick flowers all day. I, I kind of felt like he should probably just stay with Freya. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she she definitely does play the the mother figure. Uh, you know, he needs that because mm-hmm. he does not get any sort of emotional fulfillment from Kratos. Like that's you can kind yeah. of see that he's hungry for that. Again, there's all this nuance in this game that you pick up on at, you know as you play it and as you think back on it. And and that's definitely one of them. And so Freya is very helpful. She assists you on your journey as Kratos because you recognize that she's a god. Like you're very suspicious of her right away. And so that comes out kind of instantly when, you know, when, when you do meet her and Atreus doesn't have any clue, you know, he's just like, Oh, here's this nice lady. She's helping us out, you know, that sort of stuff. But yeah, she, she's again, another character in the game that really helps to highlight the story in this game. You come across her multiple times. You learn a lot about her, which I'm sure we're about to talk about.
1: Yeah, so when you first meet Freya, it's interesting because you're kind of cautious around Freya simply because she's a stranger, but she clearly knows that you're a god, and she even tells you, because she picks up very quickly that Atreus has no idea, and she says, look, I made choices with my son, and now we're estranged, you can't do the same to him, he needs to know who you are, you can't keep all of these things a secret, He does not know that he's a god. He doesn't know that you're a god. And, uh, you need to be more open and honest. Don't lose him the way that I lost my son. And then, of course, when you learn that Freya is a god, you know, Kratos feels very betrayed by Freya. And this is just another chain in the link or another link in the chain of him being deceived by gods. Um, now I do definitely want to talk about Atreus's sickness. And how Atreus evolves over the course of the game. Now, I think what might be my favorite sequence in the entire game is... I think it's about halfway through. Maybe maybe two-thirds through the storyline. But Atreus starts to get worked up the way he always does. And he starts to go into Spartan Rage. Yes. You see the red the red aura comes around him and he's yelling. I think he even puts his hands out the same way Kratos does. But then he passes out, and he will not uh, come out of it. And Kratos has to pick up Atreus's body, and you have to walk him all the way back to Freya's hut in hopes that she can do something about it. And what's so fascinating about the sequence, they pull the HUD. The HUD disappears. The yep. whole game, you've got your your rage meter, your HP meter, your cooldowns, all the stuff that you can see. It's nothing. And since there's no loading times, you're not doing quick travel back to Freya. You have to gingerly lay him down in this rowboat, row your way down the river, pick up his body, go all the way back to Freya's hut. And there's a really uh, intense moment when you take a lift and you lay Atreus down and Kratos is pacing on the lift. And you never, ever see Kratos where he is worried or feels like he's not completely in control. And I felt like his worry and his concern was just so palpable. It was a really fascinating sequence. It's very gripping. It It's a
0: 100%. It makes you... It sucks you in even more. And honestly, that's one of the things that th- this game... Is a masterclass in nuance, right? For a game that's over the top, ripping creatures in half and smashing them (laughs) in the face, right? Like, but honestly, that's like that's it does both so well, (laughs) right? It really does. And the thing is, is like the nuance in this game is top notch, and it's like you don't even notice it, right? Like, one of the huge areas of this game is the lake of the nine, and so you're paddling around. That's kind of the central hub area of the of the whole game, and. You know, you're paddling around and when you're in the, the, the canoe, when you're rowing and stuff, like Atreus will lean over the side and he'll drag his fingers through the water, right? Or it's like he'll look up and he'll, 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 you know, mention something that's up in the sky. Or, you know, later on in the game, you get Mimir's head, right? So Mimir does a very good job of explaining a lot of the lore and stuff like that. And Atreus will talk to Mimir and they'll have this side conversation while you're traveling to the next location. Um, as Atreus matures in this game, his personality changes. It's like you said in the beginning, right? In the beginning, he's sick and he's very shy and he's very reserved around Kratos. And then he, he starts to open up on this journey and you can tell this kid is having so much fun just going on this adventure with his dad. Right. But then it's like,
1: but then later on in the game, he becomes a little turd, you know, he becomes a complete turd because. You, you're finally able to, to have him come out of his, uh, I guess if you want to call it a coma, uh, but you have to get a certain thing for Freya, which is in Helheim, the Land of the Dead. Now, your Leviathan Axe won't do you any good in Helheim, which is why you go unearth the Blades of Chaos. And they've been buried back in his home. And I think what most people would say is that this was the climax of the game, yeah. where he starts to unwrap. His wrists, and the game starts playing the old God of War oh, it's music. So good, dude. And it's just immediate chills up and down yeah. as you hear it come in. And then you end up, you know, taking your Blades of Chaos down in, into Helheim. But anyway, long story short, uh, Atreus is revived by Freya. She brings him back out of it. But Freya tells you this sickness that he has is basically because he is a god but doesn't know it. And this divine nature and this human nature are at war within him. And it's having its effect on his body. He needs to know who he truly is, or else he's going to keep battling this illness, and it's going to take his life. So you tell Atreus that you're a god, (laughs) and that he's a god, and there's nothing else to call him but a little turd for a good, like... I in, in my memory, he acts this way for like five hours in the story. Yes, in reality, yeah. it's a very short lived phase. It's maybe two hours of the storyline. This little idiot yes. has the nerve <laughs> to say verbatim, I know everything I need to know now. I have nothing else to learn. What
0: a teenager, <laughs> what a teenager moment, right? I mean, oh, as parents and dads, oh. boy, can we sympathize with that. Yes. A- it's, it's crazy to me. And I'm going to go back to the nuance of this because anytime you like, you can command Atreus to shoot things. So it's part of the puzzle solving in this game, right? Like, Hey, I need you to do <laughs> shoot an arrow over here, do this, whatever. And in uh-huh. the beginning, he's like, Oh, okay, great. You know, and yep. he, he's trying to Got earn it. your affection, right? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like he's trying to impress you, uh, you know, his dad. And then he becomes the little turd in this game and you tell him like, Hey, shoot this thing over here. And he'll go, whatever. You know? And then it's like what? Like what did you just say to me? And, and then it's like he he does this kind of stuff, and
1: he's like, or he'll be like, yeah, I know, you know. <laughs> or he'll interrupt you and he'll say something, and then Kratos will be like, you need to show respect. And then Atreus says, well, isn't that what you were going to say anyway? Yeah. And it's like it's it's really well done because you and I, you know, we've raised teenagers, and it, it there there's just something so perfect in that teenage mentality mixed with just finding out that he's a god you know atreus even says because in the beginning he struggles to kill the deer now you've slaughtered all these magical elves and atreus says oh i don't feel so bad after killing all those elves we were on god business yeah <laughs> like this is the kind of stuff atreus starts saying and Mimir's commentary is so funny oh. where Mimir's like i don't know that that's exactly the lesson you should have learned from this yeah. since so he he throws out little barbs kratos ironically never comments on the things atreus says but he does address atreus's actions yes. so atreus does kill someone that didn't need to be killed and Atre- and kratos lays into him and says hey i kill gods because they've all been evil and wrong and we we need to be something different and you need to be better than me and I thought that all that stuff was really fascinating. Luckily, Atreus ends up finding the right spot of the pendulum. But man, for those couple of hours, he is insufferable. He shoots you. He shoots you with an arrow at one point. I wrote down in my notes. Let me take a look. I wrote, uh, Atreus shot me. Let him die, LOL. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how I felt in that moment. I'm like, all right, we're done. This kid just shot me with like a stun arrow. He's out. This kid yeah. this kid's gotta go. <laughs>
0: it's so great, man. The the tone of the game changes so perfectly along with like Atreus' development. It really does. Yep. And you see you see Kratos' like his frustration. And it's like you said, ultimately Atreus does something very wrong. And then that's when Kratos kind of loses it. And that's one of the turning points to Atreus kind of getting back on the right path because it's like he's realizing, Hey, your actions have consequences, whether you're a mortal or a God at that point. And I like, I love the transition. I just, it's, it's so funny because that part of the game, you literally get so aggravated with atreus yes. like in real life that's what i'm talking about. like this game is is so good at eliciting emotions and they they, they force these emotions upon you whether it's through nuance or in your face stuff but it makes you feel something and it, it makes you feel exactly what the developers of the game want you to feel and i absolutely love that ride that it takes you on
1: it's incredibly effective to elicit that emotional response all right, so let's go ahead and fast forward and talk a little bit about the final boss fight. So if you want to call it a twist, I, I don't even know if you can really call it a twist, but you find out that the stranger from the beginning, who is actually Balder, is the son of Freya. Now, I, I say it's not really a twist because this game has like... Seven characters, and one of them is a mom who misses her son, and one is a son who's incredibly angry and mad at his mom. Uh, it doesn't exactly yeah. <laughs> take calculus to figure this out. Um, but in the final fight, oh man, I love it. I love, I love just thinking and talking about this. So Freya has been cursed by Odin that she cannot harm anyone, and she has this great love for her son Balder, and she had cursed Balder to be invulnerable. But as a side effect of that invulnerability, Balder cannot feel anything. He cannot taste food. He cannot feel anyone's touch. And so he has grown incredibly bitter. But for Freya, this was the way she wanted to keep him safe. Now, Balder, since he's been coming at us the whole game, and he's got his eyes set on Atreus as well, we're not going to let that happen. And so we end up at the end of the game where Freya is there and we're battling Balder. And Freya is like the frantic mother screaming, don't hurt my son, don't kill my son. And yet you're still fighting him. And I thought that it was, uh, again, very emotional, while at the same time being a very fun boss fight. I I I will say having Balder be the final fight is is not as fun as if it were Thor or Odin, or even Tyr, the Norse god of war who does not show up in this game. You know, So Baldur's maybe a little underwhelming, but I thought that the emotions and the story behind it all really made it effective.
0: It really does. For the mythology fans, Baldur is, because he's the son of Freya and Odin, he's and Odin, Thor's yeah. brother. So, I mean, it kind of gives you a, a hint as to the extent of his power, right? Like, I mean, Thor's brother is obviously going to be very strong and tough to be, and he is. Baldur looks like a normal man. He's kind of scrawny, to be honest. His body's covered with runes and stuff like that, but he's not physically imposing. Like, no. Kratos is much more imposing of a figure than Baldur is, but Baldur is invulnerable. He can't get hurt. So even though Kratos... Kratos is one bad dude and has gone through all of these gods. It's like he can't really beat Balder either, you know, just because of Balder's powers. So they, they wind up having these epic, epic battles and it does culminate in this final battle. Uh, Freya, like you said, is the concerned mom. You know, she's helped you out, but now she's really, really mad at you because she does not want you to, to harm Balder. She also, has a pretty good clue as to how powerful you really are. And yeah. so she's worried, you know, like you can tell she has legit fear. And the cool thing is, is like this whole time you're fighting, you're getting your butt kicked, you're kicking butt. Frey is screaming in the background. She's imploring you to please stop fighting each other. At one point she reanimates this. I mean, absolutely monster sized giant who's looming over this fight. I, I mean, this is, Hollywood grade A effects going on in this fight, man. I mean, it's, it's absolutely just kind of mind blowing as to how they can, you know, have the scale of this giant looming over you. She's yelling and screaming at you. Atreus is, is yelling things at you. Balder's mocking you and you guys are going back and forth. It, it, like this feels like one of those Epic, epic showdowns, right? It's kind of like the duel with Darth Vader between Luke and Darth Vader moments. It's, you know, like these moments that occur where there's 50 things going on at once and you were just absolutely on the edge of your seat at the height of tension, you know, and and it's like, how is all of this going to play out? And this final fight, while Balder doesn't necessarily make such a compelling villain, the sequence the context right yeah everything that's going on is
1: is incredible it's the 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 one thing that i really loved also is the conclusion of the fight so you've clearly won freya is imploring you to not kill balder and so you you do relent and you let balder go and freya Says uh, something to the effect of, like, I want you to forgive me. I was just looking out for your best, Balder. I want us to reconcile. Balder says, Never. I've waited for this moment my whole life. I hate you with every ounce of my being. And Freya says, Okay, fine. Kill me. I won't resist. If this is what you need to be happy in life, go ahead and kill me. And Balder. <laughs> starts choking freya of the year moment and i'm like my jaw's on the floor the first time i play this and first of all i'm thinking man every family in this game is so dysfunctional right the brothers <laughs> the the black blacksmith brothers are dysfunctional freya and balder are dysfunctional us and atreus are <laughs> dysfunctional and so then you step in and go no this ain't gonna happen and you kill Baldur and freya You just saved her life, but from her perspective, you just killed her son. And so she says one of my favorite quotes in the movie. I always love when characters become like incredible poets in all of a sudden the heat of the battle. They hit you with this monster speech. But Freya, who has been nothing but kind this entire game, turns where she looks very stern and starts yelling, I will rain down every agony, every violation imaginable upon you. I will parade your cold body from every corner of every realm and feed your soul to the vilest filth in hell. That is my promise. Oof. And then she leaves. Is she mad? (laughs) Do you think? What would you say?
0: I said, is she mad, do you think? Oh, is she mad? Yeah. yeah. I I mean, you just saved her life, though. That's the crazy (laughs) thing. Like, that's again, it's just like, what are you doing? I just saved you. Your son was choking you to death,
1: man. But as a mother, you kind of get it, right? Like, she would rather die and Balder be alive. But I think we know, even if you let him kill... Freya, he's gonna turn on you, you're gonna kill him anyway. So honestly, it's like Baldur's going to die, but we saved Freya's life. Now we see Freya in the trailers for Ragnarok. I'm sure there'll be a a boss fight against her. Mimir does hint that she might come around once she calms down a little bit. Um, you know, maybe we need to get Freya a a little bit of my doll or something. I don't know, but she, (laughs) I do think that she might turn around. Back toward the good side. It might be a little bit of that Darth Vader kind of ending yeah. where she'll turn back. Uh Who knows? And then finally, at the very, very, very end of the game, we do finally reach the peak of Jotunheim, which is where we've been carrying these ashes. There's a very sweet moment when you allow Atreus to finally carry his mother's ashes. He's asked you a Multiple good four, four or five times, yeah. and your answer is no. I don't trust you to do it. Uh, Atreus has now matured and evolved, and so you allow him to carry the ashes at the very end. And we get some revelations. We are told that the giants were not physically giant. That was just a race of people. And we find out that Faye, your wife that died, actually was a giant which means Atreus is half-god, half-giant. It also explains why Atreus was so fascinated with giants the whole game. Yeah. It's because that's him. That's that's his DNA. He's drawn to the giants. And we see that there are murals written on these walls that lay out every detail that has happened in God of War. All of this was prophesied and foretold. Faye knew that you and atreus would find these murals this was kind of the whole purpose of the game for why she's brought you here and then we kind of get like the major reveal where atreus says well the runes written here don't call me atreus they call me loki yeah and that's kind of like the final big reveal of the game is that your son is actually the god of mischief loki
0: Yep, which, you know, is the big twist in the game. This game does have some twists. Um, you know, there's there's some other Easter eggs that are in the game. I We won't talk about those, but if you pay attention, this game hints at a lot more that's going to happen in the future with potentially God of War Ragnarok and things like that. But yeah, the big, big reveal in this is that your son, Atreus, who you've been with the absolute entire game, is actually Loki, who is a Norse god, you know, and there, that's kind of the thing, too, is like, you know, you're the god of war. You came from the Greek mythology side of things. And I don't know how you wound up in the Norse mythology side of things. I think you're trying to hide. And you mentioned something that Tyr is the Norse god of war. And while the game makes a lot of reference to him, you're in Tyr's temple a lot. I mean, Tyr plays a very large part in this game, except that he's not in the game; he's not physically so, present, so, but he's right. there. So it's like, are you able to come to the Norse mythology because they don't have a god of war? Like, I, you know, so there's there's some interesting kind of mythological questions that arise from from all of that as well. But yes, you do find out Atreus's true identity. He is Loki. That's like the big reveal in this game. Uh, you know, Loki is going to play a part in Ragnarok. And so that's kind of the, you know, a lot of this stuff that's foretold and, you know, what's going to happen in the future because Ragnarok is coming, you know, and I think we're going to find out a lot of that in the sequel that's coming up hopefully later this year. Um, but there is one other kind of interesting reveal that Atreus doesn't even get to see because he starts wandering ahead And that's when you're looking at these murals, there's a curtain that is covering one of them, and the wind kind of blows, and it it kind of pushes it aside, and you see Kratos laying on Atreus's lap, and it looks like he's dying.
1: And this has spawned an awful lot of conjecture of what this final mural means. A lot of people argue that it is Kratos, a lot of people argue that it's not Kratos, It's certainly Atreus in there holding whoever this is. But even there, there's almost like, uh, almost like a clear pipe that kind of just like spins around a lot and it connects both of them by the mouth. So then some people wonder if this is some kind of time travel thing where Atreus is actually holding his older self while he's dying or is he going to continue the, The pattern of patricide, where Kratos killed Zeus, is Atreus going to kill Kratos? I I think it's possible, but clearly the game's not going to give you that clear of a hint. So we don't really see the same tattoos that Kratos has, but it's possible it is him. Uh, But it's definitely a lot of fun to wonder what that final mural, which clearly shows the future, I think that'll be more clear once we get into Ragnarok. But it's really fun to think about.
0: Yeah, I I love the the twists. You know, even though this game has twists and even though it has an incredible story and even though it's setting up the sequel, uh, you know, for God of War Ragnarok, there's so many things that you can kind of fan theory about and think about even after the game is over that yep. I, I love that they just leave those little tidbits kind of dangling there to just make you question, like, what's going to happen with the story?
1: <laughs> well, and, and one of the coolest things is after you beat the game, you get credits rolling while you're still walking in Jotunheim. And so you walk back and you take the, uh, the portal back to Midgard. And when you go back to your house for the first time, there is an extra cutscene that you get to watch where Kratos and Atreus both talk about how tired they are. Now that they've completed the mission, they both agree to get some good rest. And in the middle of the night, uh, Well, all of a sudden the screen goes to black and it says years later and all of a sudden you hear crackling and you see lightning and Kratos immediately grabs the Leviathan axe and opens the door and what do we see but Fat Thor (laughs) with his hands (laughs) with his hands like in an old Western where he's got Mjolnir in like a holster and his hands are right above it and we see more lightning. So, you know, we certainly are going to see Thor in the next game. And uh, you kind of get that little special cut scene at the end of God of War, which is pretty fascinating. And it's very, uh, pardon my pun, it's very electrifying to see Thor show up.
0: Oh, yeah. And and they've done that in the God of War Ragnarok trailer as well. So obviously, that conflict is going to be one of the major conflicts in the sequel that's coming up. And I, I can't wait to see how that plays out.
1: Okay. And then finally, there are lots of collectibles. There's lots of things you can do in this game. Once you finish the storyline, you can work on a lot of things like that. I think probably the biggest thing are hunting down and fighting the nine Valkyries. And I think that's something that you actually got into in your playthrough.
0: I got into that a lot because they are some of the most challenging boss fights uh, out there, to be honest. And I played this game on a hard difficulty level. So for me, it was just this kind of self-challenge like, I'm gonna take my time, I'm gonna do some of the extra stuff in this game. The Valkyries are it. Man, they are some hard fights, dude. It, it like, but there's such a fun challenge. I was posting, like, oh, you know, I'd I'd send screenshots of me walking up to a Valkyrie, you know, <laughs> and then and then I would rejoice in the Discord server when I beat one of them. And I did. All of the side stuff to track down all of these Valkyries, they were so much fun. You don't have to kill a single one in this game to beat the game. Fully like, this optional. is 100% optional content, but it was one of those gaming challenges that I kind of put on myself, and I did it. It felt so good to just know that I beat all of them on hard difficulty level it's kind of one of those like gaming moments that you're proud of kind of things. You know what I (laughs) mean? Like honestly, like beating the Valkyries on hard was one of my, you know, one of my things there insanely good boss fights, the timing, the way the strategies, that all of the Valkyries are different and have different moves and abilities and all that. So I highly recommend if you do play this game, at least attempt a couple of them. See if it's your thing. If it's not, it's okay. You don't, like I said, you don't have to do them at all. But this game excels in having that optional content to where even when you beat the story, you're able to continue playing for quite some time you know, if you want to, to kind of keep experiencing the world and a little bit more that God of War has to offer.
1: Yeah, I personally only did two of the Valkyries, but they were really fun. I was just kind of like, you know what, I was in this, like, you have to have good story and good combat. But for me, the number one driving force for what I care about is story. And since the story was done, I was kind of ready to jump into the next one. Now, I did think, you know, despite me even calling God of War a perfect game, I do have some minor nitpicks, and there's one in particular I have to poke fun at. Josh, your paddle, at all times, is on one side of the canoe. You turn on a dime left and right, and Kratos never changes the side. I don't know if you've ever been in a canoe, but... If you want to turn right, you got to put your paddle on the left side, and if you want to turn left, you got to put the paddle on the right side. And Kratos just <laughs> keeps sit yeah. on the same side, <laughs> and this canoe is is moving left and right. It it it's a very minor nitpick. Why not throw in just a couple extra people for a few days, let him just switch the side. We see it in other games. I see it in games all the time when you canoe, they'll switch the side, but uh we didn't get that here in God of War. But that's, you know, we're talking Crazy minor that that's what we're talking about,
0: right? Yeah, I I mean, if I had to absolutely nitpick something, it's probably that a lot of the puzzles are kind of repeated throughout the game. Um, yeah. It would have been neat to, because the game does such a good job with progression, whether it's progressing the story or progressing Atreus or progressing your relationship with him or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it just does such a good job that I would have liked to have seen a little bit more progression or difference in some of the puzzles because they do start to feel a little routine after a little while. Again, insanely minor nitpick because I, I, you know, I already said I think the puzzles enhance this game immensely but it would have been neat to maybe just have some different types of puzzles or something like that.
1: Yeah, I can see what, what you're saying there. Yeah. I think, uh, only other nitpicky kind of thing is that the maps themselves are actually relatively small. The, the, the world looks very big. The maps kind of small. It almost seems laughable that we don't know who Freya is because to get from Kratos home to Freya's hut is about, Twelve seconds of running and twenty seconds of paddling a canoe, and we're there. It is pretty. And funny. so I was kind of like, okay, <laughs> it, it might feel a little more realistic if this world was just a little bit bigger. But at the same time, because everything is so close, you're never you're never bored running from one area to another. Everything's very close. You're never running for long. There's really no travel in this game. So it's one of those things where you got to have it one way or another. And I just thought that was kind of funny. Like, how have these two never just run across each other in an open field? They, they literally live that close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, I did even make a joke before we recorded that we were going to hit the 90 minute mark before getting to community reviews. And we are darn close to that. Let's jump into reviews that other people have left for God of War.
0: All right, here we go. So as we always do, we pick out some reviews uh, off of Steam. I, you know, always try to find a couple positives, a couple negatives, just so that you can get a broader idea of the opinion of this game versus just Paul and I's opinion on it. Um, so I'll just dive in here. This first one is recommended. This person has 98 hours on record, so they have definitely played the game and a lot of the additional content. Um, this game does have a new, new game plus mode as well. So you can play through it all over again with your, you know, all your fancy armor and stuff like that. Um, but this is a positive review and it says it's hard to explain the emotions you go through when you experience this game. I'm in my early 40s and I've played a lot of games during my life. Only a few games I considered memorable generational games that defined what an amazing game is and God of War goes beyond this. God of War, for the lack of a better word, is a masterpiece. It is subjectively the best game made I have ever played in my life. An emotional epic that not only delivers Oscar-worthy story and performances from actors, but game mechanics and presentations that are brutal, satisfying, and fluid. Not only it looks unbelievable and cinematic in its scope and engaging gameplay, it pays homage to everything that came before it in the series. I feel like I could have written that review, dude. (laughs) (laughs)
1: there's you know the the term masterpiece gets thrown out a lot famously cyberpunk 2077 was already tagged masterpiece before it released on steam like people are ready to always crown the next masterpiece this game really is one of them as much as i love the original god of wars i would not say any of them are masterpieces they are very very good probably great games um but this one definitely stands apart and what's even more wild is that it came out the same year as Red Dead Redemption 2. We had arguably the two best games of the entire decade. Both come out within a few months of each other. Yeah. And you know today we're not going to talk about you know, ranking those two. That, that conversation is going to come down the road. Um, but the fact that we had two unquestionable masterpieces come out in 2018 was so much fun.
0: It's un- unbelievable. I really hope we get that again <laughs> in my lifetime. You know yeah. what I mean? It's I want to have this problem of like, oh, which game is the game of the decade? Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, all right. I- I'll say this. It was not easy to find negative reviews that weren't negative just because of technical aspects. Now, this is from Steam. So, obviously, this is the PC port. You know, that's what you and I both played this go round. You know, that's kind of what we're basing everything off of. Um, you know, the story and nothing changes from the, the, the console to the PC version other than some graphical stuff and things like that. But a lot of the negative reviews were simply negative because of technical issues. Um, and so it was difficult to find ones that actually talked about gameplay and stuff like that but here we go. All right. So this is a negative review. Uh, 10.6 hours on record was fun at first, but the combat is extremely repetitive and boring. Even when fighting bosses, it's the same repetitive motions to disable any foe. I was kind of hoping I would be making my way through the gods every so often, but the 11 hours I have played, I have fought two bosses and three trolls. Trolls are exactly the same as each other, aside from a color and a single ability. I guess Dark Souls customized combat experience has ruined games like this. If you want to play a movie slash game and hack away repetitive enemies in a repetitive fashion, buy it. If you're looking for something less basic, don't.
1: I can understand saying that there is a level of repetition, but I would never say it's not fun. Like you, I, you kind of you're, you're going to develop the same things, right? Like I I like this ability where I do the AOE freeze move, or I like doing this ability where I spin in a circle. And you're gonna do those every time your cooldown is up. But that's the same of every game. Like that's like saying, "Oh, what am I just gonna run around with this gun in Halo and shoot people over and over? What else? Right. Like you know, like that's just what the game is."
0: Right. Yep. I I agree. I mean, yes, there is some repetition i guess but i never found that to be a negative and the combat was varied enough to me in the skills and abilities that you can equip or decide to use that it's kind of up to you how repetitious you want it to be i guess
1: now the trolls are repetitious because they have the exact same finishing move and that is kind of like some recycled code but i don't i don't fault it for that
0: Very nitpicky. You're going to have
1: a little bit of that in every game. Right. Yep.
0: All right. This next one is recommended. 57 hours on record. Absolutely amazing port. I already played this game on PS4 back then, so I know what to expect. So this was more of a review of the PC port. I have a high-end PC and was worried it would still be rough, but I am easily running this at 1440p Ultra at 90 frames per second. As for the game, the story is incredible. The world is gorgeous. Characters are very well done along with their voice acting. The combat is intense and brutal. The music is incredible as well. This game is a masterpiece that should be played by everyone. Use DLSS, DLSS if you need better frames per second cuz they did a good job supporting that. One thing we haven't talked about is, you know, most games that start on console that port to PC have a lot of issues. Some PC ports are notoriously very, very bad. In my opinion, this is the Best PC port I have ever seen in my entire life.
1: It's definitely up there. I mean, I can't claim that I've played many. I have done like Mass Effect, all of the Mass Effects on console and PC and thought they were all great on both. I thought God of War was fantastic on PS4. It's fantastic on PC it, I had no issues with the port whatsoever. There are some goofy button combinations, like to activate Spartan Rage, you're pressing left shift plus your middle mouse button. It was weird. There were a th- few things like that where I was like, who's coming up with these button combos? But you get used to it after you do it two or three times. But that's not, that's just more of a button mapping thing. That's the, the port itself is perfect.
0: Right. Yeah. I agree. All right. And then last one. This is not recommended five hours on record. In short, cutscenes and story are great, but I find myself sighing with boredom every time the game throws another group of the same enemies at me, or I discover that it's apparently time for yet another axe throw puzzle. A masterpiece, they say. I don't see it. This game consists of three things. Fights, puzzles, and cutscenes. You walk from room to room and it's either a fight, a puzzle, or a cutscene. Combat is very repetitive. Chop or throw an axe and tell the boy to shoot arrows. Same enemies and same finishers over and over. Puzzles are very generic. Mostly throw axe at stuff in specific order. I think I will try to finish the game though, since I like the story a lot.
1: Okay. That's kind of bananas. Like what would you expect to do in a game other than cutscenes or fighting or going into a next room? Like what else is there? That's, that's every video game. Did he want, did he want survival elements? Like, does he want craft? Like there's even stuff like that in God of Wars. I don't even know what he's looking for. I have no idea, dude. I'll
0: be honest with you. Like it's hard for me to relate to these negative reviews. I do try to like pick ones out that talk about some of the gameplay and stuff like that because you know, different strokes for different folks, right? Like, I get it, but I don't understand how you can complain about this game is nothing but combat, a story, and a plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like or like it's nothing it's but, like, but that's plot and gameplay. Right, that's literally every <laughs> game out there. Like, I don't know how you can gripe <laughs> about the fundamentals of video games.
1: Oh, that's funny. All right, Paul. Yeah that that guy's just on another planet.
0: Uh, yep. All right, so this is where we try to guess the overall score based on the Steam rating system, which is zero to a hundred percent. We know that God of War won a ton of Game of the Years. You and I both know that this is a wildly popular and well-received game. So yep. I have a feeling this is going to come down to a very close guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> By and, you or uh, me. I, I won the last you won time. last time. So I'm going to make so you pick first. I get to first. guess
1: first. Yep. All right. So user reviews on Steam, 0 to 100%. I think unquestionably this is overwhelmingly positive, which would be 95% plus. I don't know that I know anyone that has played God of War and doesn't like it. I'm shooting for the moon on this one, Josh. I'm going 98%. 98%? 98. All right. I guessed 96%,
0: Paul. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So we're very close to each other. Could we have Uh, our first tie? We've never had uh, a tie. Well, what would a tie be if it was 97? If it was right in between? Yeah. Paul... We've got our first tie. Is it a tie? It's literally ninety-seven percent. Oh. I feel like I win though because you busted.
1: <laughs> this Isn't this no price is of right? right? Is this no. not price
0: of right rules?
1: Dang no, it. no price is right. <laughs> nice try. Uh, wow, our first tie. We've done how many of these? We've five or yeah, something. We've
0: done a lot of them. Um, wow! well, I guess first as tie. reigning champion, if it's a tie, you retain your title. Is that is that our new rule like now that we've had the, our tie? I feel like that's how it goes in <laughs> most sports, right? I was gonna say should we
1: should we just both talk over each other? We both introduce Ooh, th- You wanna do two th- th- two th- terrible th- pickup line intros? Sure. <laughs> all right <laughs> one after another I, I, or at the I, same time? No, let's, at the same time. <laughs> let the let the listeners try to figure it out. <laughs> all right. All right. Let let let's hit that music. Hey there, Lady Freya. My name's Mike. I'm good at algebra. (laughs) Can I crash? I can replace your your X, and you wouldn't need to figure out why. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest, I did not hear a word you said. (laughs) And mine was a terrible math joke. (laughs) Oh mine was mine was better. Okay, go ahead. Why don't you tell the people what this segment is?
0: Okay, so this is how we rate games at this point. We're gonna we're gonna basically play what we call make love, marry, or murder. Uh, this is how we rate every game that we do a deep dive on. Make love is, hey, this is a great game. It's well worth your time. You know you're you're gonna fall in love with it, but you know maybe maybe it burns out quickly. Murder is this is probably not worth your money. There was more to dislike about a game than there was to like about it. And Mary is we think that this game is absolutely phenomenal. It's a game that everybody should play at some point. There's a ton of gameplay. It's worth the money. You know so on and so forth. But this one I I don't think I've ever had an easier Mary in my life, Paul.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a Mary. This is, I was trying to think, like, what would you say is the greatest example of marriage that you can think of before? That's, <laughs> that's what this game is. Yeah. This is the perfect spouse. Yeah. They're attentive. They're perfectly healthy. They understand your needs before you even speak them. They're supportive. They're the perfect match for you. Like, you could not ask for a better spouse. This is also the easiest Mary that we've ever had. Why belabor the point?
0: Right. Yep. Quickest make love Mary murder section. Ever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mary, Mary done. Mary, yep, Check yep. the box. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, time for our last segment of the show. Let's go to the leaderboard and see where this game stacks up. All right. If you're new to the podcast here, every time Josh and I deep dive a game, we decide as a group consensus, where are we going to place this game on our overall leaderboard? We have done a total of 65 games to date. You can see our leaderboard at MultiplayerPodcast.com. It's right there on the front page. Just scroll down a little bit. Uh Josh, I think since we're both marrying this, The fact that we both love it immensely, I think it's absolutely in the top 10. I know a lot of people have asked us, is there ever a game that's going to crack your top four? Because we have famously said Overwatch, Apex Legends, Rocket League, and Rust are kind of like the Mount Rushmore that we've had where we have not had any game compete for quite a while. Is this going to be our first game that can compete in the top four? Paul... I'm gonna put this out there. I this for
0: me is number one. I I, I, think I mean I'm not with to you. rock the boat, but having played it on PS4 back when it released, having played it on PC, I loved this game even more the second time I played it, which is unheard of for me. I generally do not ever touch a game once I'm done with it. It only served to reinforce to me that this game is video game perfection. I cannot think of a game out there. Now, everybody knows I love The Witcher 3, and I've said, hey, that's one of the best video games ever made. I'm putting it on record, dude. God of War is the best video game ever made.
1: (laughs) I'm absolutely not with you on (laughs) that, and I'm already cringing when we talk about Red Dead. Um my 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 nitpick with God of War is when we're talking about those top 4 Overwatch, Apex, Rocket League, Rust, you have unlimited content. You can literally play those games forever. Now you might you might not enjoy it as much over time, right? There's seasons when we don't touch some of these games for a very long time. I think God of War is absolutely a perfect game. I think you could make an argument that it doesn't belong in the top spot, but I'm going to argue that it does.
0: I, I I'm don't, with
1: you. I don't have any complaints from minute one. It is it, you, It it's top storytelling. Stop top gameplay. It's an a plus all around. I mean, what can you not love about God of war? It's all fantastic. I can't wait for the next one. I am nowhere near saying it's the best game of all time. I think this game is, it's like an open world, but it's very much a, linear gameplay type of game. I think it is limited, but I think that's part of what makes it all perfect. They don't try to bite off more than they can chew. There's nothing compared to like the open world of GTA five or red dead two, where you can literally sit back and just watch NPCs. And it's like, you get to watch all these cool interactions. There's nothing like that in God of war, but for what it does, it accomplishes all of it beautifully. I have no problem putting it. Number one.
0: Are we really going to have a new number one, Paul? Because people said it would never happen.
1: We came a little close with Valheim with how much we loved it. But even then we were kind of like, no, that's not on par with like Rust as much as we love Valheim. Yeah. But this is, this is, this is as good of a single player experience as you can get. That's the thing. Like when it comes down to ranking God of War against something else, it's never taking anything away from God of War. I can argue that another game is more ambitious. Maybe they've tackled more and they've done it all so well that it's just as good. I would never take anything away from God of War. It's, it's a perfect game. I've, I've I, said that like four times.
0: I, but it's true. It really, really is true. I, I, you and I don't always agree on stuff, you know, and, and especially when it comes to melee combat, which God of War is, I think not the way I play Josh. Right. <laughs>
1: Not the way I play.
0: 300 axe throws.
1: <laughs> it is all axe throws and Atreus. Well,
0: Paul turned this into a ranged combat game. But the yep. fact that you can do that, right? You played it the way that you wanted to play it, and it was possible, which just goes to show you why it's such a great game. Lock it in, Paul. I'm with you 100%. I'm so glad we agree on this. I know there may be a debate coming
1: up later on down the road. I was, going, I was going to say uh, we we have already... Well, maybe we haven't talked about this on the show, but let's just say there will be a future deep dive on Red Dead Redemption 2. And I just found out this week that Michael Butler started and did not finish Red Dead, which means I'm already going to be sad knowing that Red Dead is going to end up below God of War. I actually had the opposite experience of you. I enjoyed God of War a lot more the first time. The second time um, was just as fun, but because I knew the story, it just wasn't quite as high for me. I think for you being so rushed the first time around, that definitely made the second one probably a lot better. For me, it was just like 10.0 versus 9.999. Like it was just the tiniest bit worse.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed a lot more of that nuance that we talked about this episode a lot more in my second playthrough, which really helped me appreciate all of the little things that went into making this game as incredible as it is.
1: Yeah. Now on the leaderboard, should I call it just God of War, God of War 2018, no, God, just of, call War God War of War 4?
0: Because it's technically just God of War. I think people will understand we're not talking about the original that came God out God of War 1. Yeah.
1: All right, perfect. Then we'll lock it in. We've got a new king of the leaderboard, at least for now. Uh, a little part of me did feel like trolling you just a little bit, just to give myself a little bit of buffer for Red Dead. Like, no way, Josh, it's not multiplayer. <laughs> this should be number five. But let's, let's be completely honest. I'm fully fine God of War being number one. It deserves it, man. They did such a phenomenal job with that game. And this is not recency bias because we both played it four years ago. And this is kind of funny that just recently we have a new King of the Leaderboard and a new slum of the leaderboard leaderboard. is
0: that (laughs) the dredge is that
1: drags of the leaderboard (laughs) (laughs) so we now have god of war at number one and we have battlefield 2042 at number 66 now as our lowest game all right so that's all that we have here for today our next deep dive is going to be lost ark and we are very excited to talk about that so many things to get into for lost ark having another mmo what a blast. Can't wait to talk about it next time. Well, not next episode, but that'll be two weeks from today. And of course, as always, our next episode will be on Thursday for This Week in Gaming. Come check us out on Discord. Link in the episode description. Check us out for Patreon at multiplayer squad.com. Make sure to rate us five stars. And if you want to interact with us on social media, come hit us up. We are everywhere at multiplayer pod. All right. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. We'll see you all on Thursday.